everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hartman Group's podcast, The Insatiable Appetite. I'm Tamara Barnett, Vice President of Strategic Insights, and I'm joined by my colleague, David Wright, Senior Marketing Manager. Hi, David, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Tamara. It's great to be here. Well, today we're going to provide some highlights from a new white paper we've released called Value in the Time of COVID-19. And uh, given the tumultuous times we're in, we think it's an important topic and it's one in which we're revisiting. You know, we last re-examined the, the topic of value during the Great Recession, yet another cataclysmic event in which we saw deep fissures in the financial landscape and consumer psyche. And so the Great Recession revealed how notions of value, what it is, how it's expressed, had changed in some crucial ways, and we're now re-examining it today. Right. I, I think it's great that that's happening because it's a, it's a perennial topic of importance that a lot of people talk about, and especially in the current economic and social upheaval that we're seeing, um, it's such an important topic. Maybe you could talk a little more, Tamara, about how concepts of value have evolved and changed. Well, even long before the coronavirus pandemic that we're in now, you know, we observed that there was a pretty fundamentally different way in which consumers were thinking about and expressing notions of value from how economists and marketers traditionally define value or at least how they represented value in their models and their frameworks. And so back then, it led us to thinking about what we now sort of think of as the old value paradigm versus the new. And whereas the old value paradigm fits really well with those economist-driven models, it tends to reflect the very reductionist language of cost versus benefit. And the result is the tendency to view value as a very formulaic equation. You know, X plus Y divided by price equals the value or the worth of something, you know, relative to something else. And this equation, while it could be really helpful and handy to have at times, it sort of made price kind of king, <laughs> the kind of king dimension in things. And it was a fairly reliable calculation. But if you contrast this to what we were finding with the new value paradigm, it was a much more consumer-driven, albeit messier model that invited much more nuanced language and a much more fluid assessment of benefits. And it acknowledged that value, you know, what value means and how it gets expressed was a much more subjective um, and emotional and purposeful idea. Rather than some formula, it recognized that dimensions in the model often shifted in importance. You couldn't say X plus Y equaled whatever, you know, you had to recognize that sometimes Y was greater than X, depending on the occasion or the context or the consumer. And in, in that context, it really elevated the dimension of quality as equal to, if not more important, than price. And then we also added some other dimensions like experience and relevance, which we found a lot of economists and marketers tended to undervalue, no pun intended, um, in a lot of their, their framework. So, you know, that work that we did several years ago in, in sort of elucidating the new value paradigm was really a key. Right. Um, that, was, that was great. When we looked at that, um, I remember it um, but this particular white paper continues this discussion of value, and especially during COVID-19. Uh, why do you think it's important to understand shifts in consumer perceptions of value? 
we fundamentally believe that the components of our new value paradigm are the same. You know, price, convenience, quality, experience, and so on. Those are still the key dimensions that consumers are weighing as they assess products and services. But in this historical moment, it's really resulted in an an expansion of the considerations and the needs that consumers bring to their assessments of value and worth. These value assessments impact not only the willingness of consumers to kind of pull the purchase lever, so to speak, but they really influence how they form relationships with products and and with brands. And so to get to your question of, you know, why is it important to to think about it now? You know, I was recently listening to another panel discussion um, with some thought leaders about some of the recent world events that we're all witnessing. You know, and one person made the, the point that in these intense moments of disruption, whether it be an economic recession, or a pandemic, a war, social unrest, you know, those sorts of events are these real key flashpoints, these inflection points in which, you know, we experience a cultural shift. And so we're in this moment now, right, that COVID-19, where frankly, we're hitting a number of those things all at the same time, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've sort of framed this discussion of value in light of, you know, coronavirus, but the complexity of this moment really demands that all of us um, as business leaders and influencers and in, in the food and beverage space really develop a culturally informed and nuanced perspective of value because the consumer has shifted and they will continue to evolve as a result of COVID-19. And so the question really is, is whether your company, your product, your service is going to be in step with these shifts. So that's why we felt it was really so essential to look at value again, uh, given this moment. And could you talk a little bit about how COVID-19 is is directly affecting value? Well, there's been a number of um, shifts and in, in attitudes and behaviors um, that, that consumers are bringing to their understanding of value. There's been a focus on the role of the individual and their desire to feel empowered through their purchasing behavior. At the same time, we're more aware than ever uh, of the connectivity of us all and how we influence the health and well-being and resilience of, of other individuals and as communities. And then there's been this renewed interest in critiquing how institutions, whether they be government institutions or big companies, to do right by consumers. And so all of these attitudes and behaviors, which were not necessarily new, but they're sort of really being heightened and accelerated in this moment. And that's kind of creating this new inflection upon these value dimensions that we had identified before. Mm-hmm. Those are those are really important and unique points. I haven't heard people talk about those at all. Um, and it seems that these are much more mindful considerations that people are grappling with today. Um, you know, we've talked about how the new value paradigm is more about a purposeful evaluation of goods and services and consumption itself. And it seems COVID-19 is causing consumers to embrace that even more. So what does that mean for this uh, new value framework and the dimensions of value that you're talking about that people are using to make purchase decisions? As I mentioned before, the dimensions themselves haven't changed, but there has been this COVID inflection, you know, in these dimensions, so to speak. So some of the shifts I think that we've observed are inevitably going to be short-lived. But within a number of the dimensions, in fact, four of the six dimensions in our model, for those who will, you know, take a look at the paper, you know, we're observing some new questions and perspectives that are being brought to those dimensions that are going to be accelerating as a result of the pandemic. You know, some of these 
these ideas, in fact, we would probably say most of these ideas were already afoot uh, before the pandemic, uh, but they're at this unique tipping point right now as a result of sort of what's happening in this context. Could you talk a little bit about those shifts that you think are going to have uh, long-term importance? Sure. You know, well, one of the dimensions in our model, as I've mentioned before, is quality. And I think one of the things that we're seeing is the rise of health and wellness-related quality dimensions. In the time of COVID, quality um, isn't just about something working well or tasting good, right? <laughs> so if it works well or tastes good, isn't just not good enough <laughs> and right mm-hmm. now. And so this former question about, will the item meet my taste or usage Standards. Of course, that's still important. But now it's really, how will this item support my resilience? There's that idea of resilience again. How will it support my resilience and my health near and long term? And so it's elevating this notion of health and quality as embedded in health and wellness, I should say, as embedded in quality. And it's a more meaningful reframing of quality in ways that are in line with our broader health and wellness culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Uh, Are there any other shifts that you think have importance? Relevance was also one of the dimensions um, that we quote unquote added to the new value paradigm several Mm -hmm. years ago to address this question of true need and utility. You know, back then we were saying it just wasn't enough if something was a good deal, but people were actually asking, am I going to use this item or not? (laughs) It doesn't matter if it was, you know, slashed down to the, you know, bottom bargain uh, price. As a result of the pandemic, we're seeing a really deepened focus on this question of utility and a real consciousness of waste. And then another uh, dimension that we added uh, to the new value paradigm uh, several years ago was this notion of experience. And so what we've seen, too, with the pandemic is a real deepening of this notion of experience, not just is it fun and, you know, um, good to sort of uh, use, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of the usage experience, but is it really deeply engaging? You know, and I think one of the, the ideas that that we put forth is that COVID-19 has created perhaps a new litmus test for the products and services that really demonstrate true differentiation and really create that more or facilitate that more personal and emotional form of engagement. And that when you sort of crack open that idea of what engagement is, there's really this opportunity to engage with consumers on a much more soulful level. And there's been, you know, an elevated consideration for how a product or service intersects with people's individual and personal values and ethics that's not just meaningful to them, but increasingly becoming a demand for them as well. Sure. And last but not least, you know, would be price, right? <laughs> you know, good of old course. price, which was, you know, you know, the, the crux of things, um, you know, in the sort of former models. And again, still is clearly very relevant uh, in our model now. But I think it remains to be seen the extent to which consumers are going to be engaging in austerity measures as a result of the economic recession that, depending on who you're talking to, is already here. And if not here, will be here soon. We expect um, that, you know, some of those behaviors, you know, will indeed take place. But we also expect there to be an enduring interest in premium products and services that do command a higher price point. That with this desire for premium, there's also going to be a desire to make access to such products and services more democratized. Mm -hmm. So we don't think the desire for really uh, deeply satisfying and quality differentiated uh, experiences and services and products to go away. 
we think that's going to continue. But again, that notion of kind of critiquing our institutions, I think there's going to be a questioning of how do we make that more accessible for more people? And not only what's a good price, but what's the right price? What's a fair price for something that I think is going to take a much more systematic look at how uh, food and and beverage is produced and offered uh, in in our culture. So, you know, I think just those four things to to give a, a quick uh, Cliff's Notes version, you know, of some of the ideas we talk about, I think really have some powerful implications uh, for those of us in the food and beverage business and those who consult with folks in the industry. Sure. Thanks, Tamara. This has been absolutely fascinating, and it certainly changed my perspective on uh, shopping right now. I mean, anyone that buys things has to uh, experience everything that you're talking about here. And you see brands struggling right now to speak to a number of these uh, shifts that you're talking about. Um, As we mentioned at the start of this, for more on the topic of value, uh, we just published a white paper available for download on our website. Uh, We're happy to continue the conversation in terms of what the shift in value means and the strategic implications for an individual category, brand, or sector in the food and beverage industry. Um, That's all for now, everyone, and uh, thanks for listening.